Hi and hello, watch fans, and welcome to episode 26 of Fratello on Air. Once more, I am joined by a friend, Alon Ben Joseph from Ace Jewelers in Amsterdam. Hi, Alon. Nice to see you again. Hi, Rob. Good to hear you. Thank you so much for inviting me back for the third time. Uh, the first two have been uh, great fun, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all the listeners because. I've been overwhelmed by uh, comments on different platforms, including FratelloWatches.com, with the listeners um, to our podcasts and the feedback we got. So thank you guys for listening and commenting. Yes, people being being uncommonly nice uh, to a podcast that I'm involved with. So maybe I should get you back here more often. seems like you're improving my reputation. So (laughs) one request of the listeners, um, I'm honored to be back again. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, it's great to have you and uh, we're looking forward to going through a little bit of a 2020 roundup. So this is always my favorite part of the year, not just because we have the festive season approaching and the the Christmas lights are coming out on the streets and the weather is getting cold. It's nice to bed down in front of the fire, but mostly because we have a whole 12 months of releases to pour over and to analyze and to pick through. So today... I want to discuss your favorite novelties from the year. I'm also going to throw in a few of mine. And let's focus, shall we, on one of the brands that you have stocked for many years in your boutiques in Amsterdam, Breitling. Yes. What do you think of 2020 for Breitling? Because it's been quite a good one, I think. Breitling has been on a roll for quite some time. Um, Those that know me and follow me and my colleague Dale, they know that we love the rouleau bracelet. So this was uh, our year with the relaunch of the chronomat with a rouleau. Doesn't that feel like a million years ago already? Now the chronomat with the new with the, the new old bracelet seems like it was 2018 now to me. So yeah, it's been such a volatile year, right? So I sometimes also need to recalibrate my timeline, but. Um, it seems that way, I believe, also because Breitling pumps out so many novelties in a high pace that mm-hmm. it also feels that it's an old because they also launched a new model, a, a three-hand watch in different sizes with a rouleau bracelet. So um, that maybe overshadows the chrono mat uh, in the chrono version, which is the OG from 1983-84. So... That was definitely my favorite from Breitling this year. I love that watch, especially with the bronze dial, the chrono. The bronze dial. Oh, yeah, is, uh, we're talking like the salmon-y kind of... Uh... It's, it's, it's a hybrid salmon bronze-ish, but it's definitely not... <laughs> hybrid salmon bronze. Yeah, it's not salmon. It's definitely not pink, but it has, it's not Havana brown either. Okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know the one you mean. I think my favorite of the chronomats was probably the uh, the blue one for the Italian Air Force. Yeah, the Fletcher um, Bicolore. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I never want to risk it. Um, my <laughs> mispronunciation is legendary. I think my colleague Ben Ben Hodges picked up one of those immediately after release, and uh, you, you know, uh, you know, somebody loves a product when they just go straight out and they they rush to their AD and they buy it. Didn't even think about trying to secure any kind of discount or special deal or kickback. He just went and paid the money, put it down yeah, there that, right away. That's, uh, that's pure passion. And I love that one for two reasons. Because um, Schneider 
uh, Theodore Steady's father, who bought writing in the end of the 70s, who was a pilot, mm. with his connections to all the uh, fighter pilot crews, he relaunched that Chronomat, because Chronomat is an old name for Breitling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he revamped that into a, a new design in the 80s, beginning of the 80s. And with a bullet bracelet, for those that don't speak French, rouleau, we call it in English a bullet bracelet. So very iconic. Um, he launched that, he made it for the pilots of the Frecce Ticolora, full satin, black dial, and with that. Uh, three colors, uh, three colored logo for that uh, squadron team. Um, so, so historically, that's the most awesome piece. And if those that are really paying attention to Breitling, Breitling says everything with a B zero one caliber. So their manufacturer Chrono always has a two tone dial, and this is the first time they broke their color coding, where that Frecce Tricolore blue dialed two thousand twenty piece is fully blue. So it's also oh yes, no, so normally the subdials are a contrasting color from yeah. the rest. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that's an interesting point actually. That hadn't dawned upon me when it came out at, at first, and uh, having seen that one um, and you know ranking it as my favorite amongst them, I do hope that they continue in that trend and give us a few more. Uh, well, single yeah. color dials. And if I may jump in, a very close second for me is uh, the Super Ocean Heritage 57, the capsule collection. Oh, yes. Obviously, oh, yes, the yes. rainbows, Black Dial yeah. Limited, they were blown away by the reactions, quickly launched a blue one. I think that was awesome. It was daring. It was fun. They read the pulse of the time. People wanted color. Some people wanted fun in these dark times. So I think that's amazing. And and let alone the rainbow, I think the regular capsule models are also awesome. And we've just seen the brown dial versions released, what, last week or the yeah, week before? Yeah, for, for Kelly Slater's brand. Yeah, and they're cool. I really, really love those uh, those NATOs. And I would I would buy one for the aerospace that I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, if only they did it with a titanium buckle to match my case. I'm a bit funny about that. So maybe. let's hope in Grinch and in the Show de Fonds where and Zurich where Brighton's uh, based, let's hope they're listening to this podcast. I plan very, on paying them a visit. Yeah, but very on point with listening to consumers. So all our listeners here, if you have feedback, share them because Brighton is very on the pulse. And it goes through the complete organization, including their leader, their squadron leader, George Kern. And they really listen to their fans. Yeah, so if you do have anything you want to ask Brightly, if you want us to pass it on, or if you hope they might spy it on the Fratello page, as we know they do read, then put it in the comments below. Definitely. Uh, or shoot us an email. And uh, yeah, we'll do our best to explore it, because they are an interactive brand, and they do like to keep their finger on the pulse. And I think it's quite obvious they do that, given the slate of releases we've had. This year, so you, I'm totally with you on the Super Ocean 57. I think if you polled the Fratelli within our building, that one would probably come out on top this year. Um, even if only because Mike Stockton would vote 150 times for it himself. Um, yeah. So, Mike, so Mike Stockton is our buddy and the Fratello team member. So I know he uh, managed to uh, get hold of one. And a, a little uh, tip for those that are on uh, the verge. On pulling the gun in that model, capsule collections within Brighting, I think is a cool concept. They are not limited editions, but they're produced a limited of time. 
and they're always tributes to heritage pieces, so historic pieces, under the lead of our buddy Fred Mandelbaum. Watch Fred on Instagram. Um, he, he's affiliated to Breitling, and they try to make the pieces as original as possible. So they're only stocked a limited of time and produced, obviously, a little bit of time. So if you're uh, contemplating one, go try it, because uh, they'll be gone soon again. Talking of Watch Fred, um, a man who, although I've never met, I have the greatest respect for, uh, given the work he does with Brightly and the faithful way he reproduces, helps reproduce these classic models. I think my favorite release of the year emerged right back at the start of the year. I remember writing an article about it in February, and I think it dropped in 2020 and not the back end of 2019. But I'm going to put it in this uh, roundup anyway. The Breitling AV Reference 765-1953 re-edition. You yeah, remember yeah. this one right back from the start. Now this, yeah. we've, got, we've got an article on Fratello. Let, oh, pull it up in front of me. Here we are. February the 19th, uh, written by a really handsome guy. I can't remember his name, but his, his profile pic is amazing. I argue the handsome. The watch is handsome, though. The writer, I don't know. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> less said about that, the better. But the watch certainly does steal the show, uh, despite being next to an Adonis uh, on, the, on the pages of Fratello. Uh, normally, it's unfair, but with this Brightly, it comes out on top. And we've got a side-to-side pick. It's the first pick in, in line in the article. And uh, we've got the original on the left, and we've got the new one on the right. And... You know, we talk about design fidelity and we talk about um, the credibility of uh, continued heritage mining and pulling uh, models from the back catalogue into the modern day. But this is how you do it. I mean, the the changes are subtle and unusually for a modern watch, it's actually paired back, if anything, the design. Uh, The Genève has been removed from beneath the Breitling logo. The numbers on the new one look a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, the bezel looks a little bit thicker and a little bit more legible. The hands are a shade wider. But apart from that, I mean, this is a blow-for-blow blow recreation, and it is absolutely stunning. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, this is something that's done under the reign of consultant Fred Mendelbaum. And mm-hmm. they really are on a quest to come as close as possible to the original with obviously modern calibers and modern uh, technologies at hand. Uh, in my humble opinion, I think there are only two brands who try to do this. This was Omega with their Pinnacle in 2017 with their trilogy set. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Bradling is doing it as limited. So the capsule collections are fun tributes to an old era. And these limited editions where they did the 806 the year before. Uh, gorgeous watch. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Are, are, are their platform to, to honor the real heritage and the history of writing. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Strangely enough, it didn't sell out as quick as the 806. Um, because I think that it, it, it fell a bit between the lines with launch, because I believe it was launched in 19. But I think they got into production problems, obviously with the, the COVID uh, difficulties and marketing. And I think their launch schedule is so full, it gets lost in translation sometimes, I think. Between this and the 806, I think it's, uh, it's a bit of a toss-up. I mean, 
I desperately wanted to buy the 806 when it came out, but I, I stayed my hand because I had too many watches on the list. And uh, when this one came out, uh, similarly, I, I find myself reaching for the wallet for the same reasons, but then felt guilty for not having bought the 806 and then sort of dithered on buying this one and yeah. ended up with nothing. So uh, yeah. that's a, a, a cautionary tale. If you like it, you should go for it. I should have gone for the 806. I mean, when that came out, I was just absolutely, I was stunned. Yeah. Stunned I was. Yeah, I I, uh, I I missed out because simply we didn't get enough, and I'm never the first one on the waiting list, as we discussed in previous podcast. I know, I know, I I, have, so, I, I am still amazed that this is this is true. I know it to be true from personal experience. I, I've seen the forlorn look in your eyes as you as you've had to let a watch that you desperately want for your own <laughs> collection go to a customer, and it pains you honestly. Yeah. I I mean, I really feel for you. I yeah. Talk about first world problems, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, it, you are you are you are being straight up there. That is true. You will never yeah. take a watch away from a, from a customer, yeah. which is how it should be, of course. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you did you put an order in for the new Snoopy? I forgot. Are you yeah. going to get one? No. So that yeah. one, I definitely put myself on the list. Um, I held back to give our our, our regulars, you know, the first dips. So I'm somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle of the list. Um. So definitely, yeah. I uh, love that watch. So, as as you guys know, I'm a huge Speedy fan as well. Some some brands and models, uh, I I have multiples of. Um, really, you don't have a you don't have a couple of Tintins or a couple of Rising no, Suns kicking around. Not like my sneakers. I don't double up on one model, but within <laughs> a family, I have multiple Speedmasters, and uh, oh, I see, I see. you know what I mean. I have several Navy timers, and uh, so. That's what I mean. I don't have double sneakers. I buy one to wear and one is backup. But with watches, that 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 is for me impossible. I have done it once actually. Yeah? I think only once, or maybe twice. Twice I did it, but only with swatches. So I'm a big fan of Corto Maltese, yeah. the uh, Hugo Pratt cartoon character from, yeah. uh, from the seventies, I think. 60s. So you doubled up on that. I doubled up on the regular swatch jelly Maltese. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I bought one retail or i was working for swatch at the time so i got staff discount and then it came up in the christmas sale at 70 percent off 70 percent off 40 pounds at the time which is what jelly's retailed for 10 years ago so i got it for 12 quid and uh, i I wear one and i have the other in my collection but i'm a little less precious about them i used to be i also have the other quarter maltese swatch which is limited to like it's like a thousand pieces or something the black and white one that comes in this little foldable map with a compass and very cool and i've never worn that one um but i did at long last take it out of its box and put it in my watch case so i've, I've bent the strap oh, it's not fresh no but swatch but, i have i have hundreds of swatches uh yeah, even on my wall and I have the mendini clock and etc but but swatches need to be worn it's plastic it's like sneakers they'll crumble they'll grow you can't repair them just so just enjoy them yeah, that's a good way a good way to treat it absolutely. And uh, now I've I've told you this little story about my Corto. I can't wait to get back to England because it's squirreled away in my mum's attic somewhere in my uh, long forgotten uh, third tier watch box. Yeah, you know what a life we lead. Okay, yeah. so Breitling, Breitling, Breitling. We have th- there are top three really. I guess we didn't we didn't plan a list of top three, but even though I've probably picked one from 2019, I'm just going to stick it in there in the top three because that's when it really hit uh hit the market in 2020 um how do you feel the brand is faring under kern i mean he took 
uh, took the CEO job in July 2017, right? So we're nearly at the three and a half year mark. Yes. And uh, I remember back in the first days of his tenure that um, there were a few sort of like amused whispers about the similarity to the IWC model, that not, not the literal watch model, but the model that he'd implemented in IWC to take it um, on such a wildly successful journey during his time there. Um, people were sort of wondering whether he would just try and port one brand to another. And I think there are elements, I think it basically from the outside looking in, it looks exactly like what it is. He's taken his experience, the best bits and the worst bits, and he's, he's uh, replicated the best and he's tried to eliminate the worst. And I think he's in a really good way now and Breitling are, are flying. But what's your feeling as a dealer and as a, as a longtime collector? So I've worked with him with IWC, so I know him for quite some time. We've been working with Breitling actually since the Schneiders took over. Um, I think the Schneiders did amazingly. It, it seems like there is a clash of uh, generations of takeover, and pre and post. I see it more as an evolution than a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think George Kern is an amazing watch CEO. He loves watches. He, he's a son of a jeweler, so he grew up in it. He's always worked in the watch industry. So he lives and breeds watches. He's a good marketeer. And I think that's what you're referring at. He, I don't think he's copy-pasting, but he's not a one-trick pony either. But you do what you know best, right? Yeah. And that's yeah, what yeah. he's hired for. So what I think he did differently here is, and he said that, that he didn't know that Breitling had such a vast um, historic library and that it was so diverse. So when at the, on the outside, he obviously knew the modern Breitling, but he didn't dive that deep into the history. So. He was positively surprised, um, and 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 he's taking good use of it, right? He's 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 making use of it, and um, he rebranded Breitling by calling it uh, neo vintage. It's casual luxury. Um, he sharpened the marketing by saying, "Okay, air, land, and sea." squads it's very modern very hip um he's on the pulse right i love the fact that he's he, he was very environmental conscious at IWC already i remember the plastiki um laureus sports so very diverse and inclusive and i think that IWC is one of the first carbon neutral manufacturers out there and that's his legacy I love the fact what he does with outer known and, and this trap you're talking about, but outer known is the eco nil. So they use fishnets and, and make that into straps, which a lot of brands now do today. And which is an amazing movement in our industry because we're a bit lagging in our industry. So I think that's cool. He made a switch for packaging, right? They announced that smaller, uh, you can either not take a package of your watch smaller and it's it's also from that recycled materials so i think that's a good thing 
Um, and the most important thing, does he make watches that people want? I think so. Um, uh, the biggest criticism I think he received when he uh, entered the brand is by taking the literally clipping off the wings from the Breitling logo. <laughs> yeah, but they still make an appearance considering they've uh, uh, no, they've he listened. He listened to the industry and he brought them back. So half the collection has it, half doesn't. Like under Schneider, um, on on the corporate identity, he 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 still uses the old B. He didn't make anything new. He just brought back the old. Um, and he got a lot of uh, criticism on the. Uh, aviator right which is called the aviator today but it was called the navi timer eight yeah that yeah that one was uh... we changed that you could criticize that you could compliment it it depends on what side of the medallion you're looking um i love the fact uh of ceos adapting a tech startup mentality and i myself love the saying by samuel beckett which is fail fail feel better so try a lot and if it doesn't work you switch right you need to be agile especially these days and he does that he does yeah that's that's definitely the thing that i respect most about his his time at the top with breitling uh the whole navi timer uh renaming fiasco it did annoy me because i said i said this is this is a great looking model this is fantastic but what you know it's not what people think of when they think of a navi timer and i wrongly convinced myself that he couldn't walk that one back oh yeah he's done that now that's oh god what a what a legacy but you know he handled it perfectly um the new collection makes perfect sense to me now and it's funny how such a thing like a name can can really throw you and really put you off a watch nice looking funny, watch. Yeah? yeah yeah funny but it, it's true it worked yeah. it worked for me yeah. um and yeah he's just smashed it out of the park with the help of fred over the last and not just Fred, yeah. I mean, he has an amazing team. Um, oh, yeah. One that is that is not so known, but he has. Uh, uh, I think his name is Antonio Carriero. Um, he is the CTO. He does amazing things on the tech side. So CRM. Yeah, I spoke they, to him. The blockchain. Now they did. I think they're the first brand to do everything on the blockchain. You, you're absolutely right. Zero. I had a I had a very long call with him about the blockchain thing because I wrote an article about it um, and uh, documented the interview with him way back in April, April the second on Fratello, and I have a Breitling as you know I'm wearing it right now. It's the uh, Everest Skydive Special Edition Aerospace that I wear yeah. on the strap you gave me for my birthday in 2017, yeah. maybe. And I said to Antonio that why not? Uh, have me go along to Grenchen and blockchain my watch to get its uh, new authenticity certificate. And that's totally in the works. As soon yeah. as we're able to travel again, I need to go to Grenchen anyway for Fortis um, to have a sit-down fondue with them, which is yeah. something I'm very much looking forward to. So Breitling will be seeing me outside, knocking on the window, asking to have my aerospace validated. And um, I'll, I'll write another article about it and see how it works, see what the process is like, because it is kind of interesting stuff. Definitely, and I, I, I applaud it and I salute it. So that's amazing. But his CRO is amazing. Um, obviously, he takes the forefront, but, but what he does well is he always collects an amazing team around him. So, so, so yeah, I think it's a good thing. 
So moving on from Brightly, because yes. we spent a, a nice, healthy 20 minutes chatting about those releases and our admiration and respect for the direction in which the brand is going. Let's take a look at another one of your brands. Let's talk a little bit about Tudor's year. Yes. Where to start? Why don't you tell me what you like about Tudor so far? Or what you <coughs> like? Sorry. Well, um, silently and stealth mode, they knocked everybody off their feet, whereas the big brother Rolex uh, and Tudor said no novelties this year out of the blue I believe July 1st boom the best selling yeah. model in blue the Black Bay 58 and not just launch it we had it in stock on the day of the launch it brought a, a, a breeze of fresh air into the watch industry for collectors and nobody saw it coming um, instant hit me myself I'm not objective I love Tudor I love Black Bays um, I have the GMT, my private collection. I'm still on the waiting list for the black dial with guilt effect. But now with the blue one, I had to add myself for that list as well. But I don't think I'm going to get one in 2021 either because the waiting lists are humongous. So Is that's really that. Wow. I had no idea that it was stretching out into 2022 already for that watch. Amazingly. And, um, and then silently. They launched the Royal Collection. A bit in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what do you think of this one? Because I think so, I think it's controversial. Well, it's actually not that controversial. But first of all, to answer your first part of the question, what do I think about it? I think it's cool. It's an integrated bracelet. Yeah. Um, yes, it's a baby day date. Do I love day dates? I respect them. I love them. Wouldn't wear it. Me myself personally but it's a home run it's Tudor pedigree slash old school Rolex right which it was um, it's it's neo vintage it's it's a bit retro but not really um, fluted bezel Roman numerals and then again Rolex style different sizes different iterations Steel, two-tone, diamond dial, not diamond dial, like it should be done. Um, and then advertise just the 41 with blue dial. Boom. Pre-orders like crazy. And Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I liked it. Consumers loved it. And Rolex and Tudor, today's separate brands for those that don't know, Totally separate, different manufacturers. They have nothing to do with each other besides ownership today. But obviously, they, they, they have history and legacy. And um, they don't like to launch models if they can't supply, in contrast to what public opinion is with Rolex, right? But when they launch a yeah, model, sure. it is produced. They don't do pre-launches and then start producing. The luxury problem is they have more demand than supply, and that's an issue. So with the Royal, they decided we can't, in a corona year, produce what we wanted because it has an ETA caliber, so it's easier for them to ramp up than their own manufacturer uh -huh. calibers. So they decided Asia first, and then slowly 
swoop over the planet and do launches. So we're getting the first models in in January, February, which was so you don't even have the chance. Oh right, okay. And we okay. brought them so, up already this summer. Right, okay, okay. Very interesting. <laughs> and that, so it was a quiet year for Tudor. Yeah, it was a very quiet year um, in in volume. That's for sure. The the Black Bay Fifty Eight uh, in blue, I really like it. Um, it it doesn't light a fire under me. It doesn't drive me out to buy it. You know, um, I have one Tudor Black Bay, the one you're waiting for, actually. And I am always on the lookout for that. I want that GMT and I want the Pelagos LHD. Yeah. Nothing, nothing Tudor. Oh. Yeah, and I'm jealous. And uh, but I, I think I might buy one off you one day. I keep threatening, don't I? I keep. Th- I've been threatening for years. I think now on that front. But something. I'm not intimidated. I'm not intimidated. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, wasn't it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to intimidate. No, that's for sure. So um, this one, this one for me, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. In fact, I really, really dislike it. And. Uh, I have been wrong before, and I have changed my mind before, and I know full well that in the past, at one point during my uh, career, I believed that all watches should have Roman numerals. You know, I was young, I was foolish, you know, I was I was reckless even. I was just putting Roman numerals on everything yeah. that I could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, I've really gone off from now, but, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for them, and a Rolex Day-Date is one of those places where I think they look just dandy. The thing that I can't stand about this new Tudor is that cut-off 11. Okay, that's it for looks, me. Looks I'm gone. with you on that page. Just that page. For me, cut-off yeah, are very, very difficult to accept. And and on on that piece, yeah, they didn't have a choice because leaving in a, it leaves a huge gap. Some people yeah, are bothered by it, and some are, but... I'm neurotic in that sense, or OCD-ish like you are, and I feel you. Yeah, but it, but Rolex have given you a blueprint of how it can be done. You know, they just use uh, batons on the numeral markers, and they, they can fit the diamond stud markers on the diamond dials with the lovely green ombre and gold and uh, chocolate sunray easily either side of the day. And there's something about this one, this this Tudor, I respect the risks that have been taken in this design, and I like the way that they're trying to do something different and that they've succeeded. The only drawback for me personally is their idea of different is my idea of a nightmare. But this bezel is, is I don't know, man. Like There was the old bamboo bezels that Rolex did in the 60s, I think. Yeah. You know the ones I mean that had those little like... Yeah, which are amazing. They're pretty cool. This is overkill. This is like, I want to be everything at once and I want to be 10 times better than it. And it Have you had it in your hands though? I've had it in my hands. Yeah. Oh, really? I must admit that it doesn't, it does not photograph well. That's, that's okay. legit. Okay. It really doesn't. So, you know, I've got a photo of it in front of me now and I'm looking at it and I'm venting. I'm venting directly at the dial, which is, you know, <laughs> it's a charming, it's a charming blue, but it's a weak blue in my opinion. Again, I don't like the blue. I think yeah. the, the minute track but is you just know like, what? It's, it's, it's not meant for you and me. They, they, they don't want to cater. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> if Tudor turned up at my house with this, I'd turn them away. I mean, let's talk about glamour. Who knows the glamour collection in Europe, right? So right. Tudor is, is mythological in asia and originally this watch was designed for them but they were blown away by the feedback in europe 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm representing the majority here. Not at yeah. all. I remember when this one dropped, we have a little WhatsApp group for Red Bar Manchester, all yeah. of us fandled together, and we shared it in there. And I think probably it was positively received by about 60% of the people in that group. And these are like, these are not, um, uh, how can I say, jewelry-led guys. You know, they're, 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 they're big guys, mostly like they're, they're sort of wearing manly watches, like sports watches, yeah, dive yeah, watches. Yeah, I understand. Brightly and and I and I'm I'm the smallest, like weediest, thinnest wristed guy in the group. And I was looking at this, thinking like I wouldn't be seen dead wearing that. I'd sooner go out wearing a feather boa. And or to be honest, I would definitely do that, especially in this this temperature. But this Tudor for me was just a miss. And the bracelet, I don't get it. I like integrated bracelets. I'm fine with them. I'm totally okay with an entirely congruous design that makes the bracelet essential to the look. The new Chapek Antarctic. Uh, Passage de Drake that we launched today. Uh, launched today. We didn't launch it. Chapek launched it. We covered it on Fratello. Um, amazing stuff. Um, this bracelet. I don't know, man. It looks just looks weak. Just looks very weak. I think we should reiterate. For the value of money, it's amazing. Are you going to compare it to the Big Brother standards or to Chapek, dude? It's a different ball game. You can yeah, buy, this you is, can this buy is, eight and a half royals for that chapek. It's not fair to compare them. No, it is fair because this is this is the challenge of design. Okay, so you're you're totally Not right only design, that, but also manufacturing, right? Yeah, but that's the responsibility of a designer to design something that can be manufactured to a at least passable quality at the price point they want to sell it at. That's, you know, what, this, you, this is, that's what you and I, daydreamers, watch nerds, think in our <laughs> ivory tower. But as soon as we get back with our feet on the ground, the cold ground of Switzerland, commercial is also important. And it's the balancing act of those two, right? Look, you're totally right. It's a balancing act. But the yeah. point stands that you, you, you can make smart design decisions based around a price point. If you can't do something well enough for it to be lauded alongside the best of his example at the price point you're trying to hit, don't do it. Do something else. That's my point. Yeah. My point is that, you know, if, if, if you say, hey, I'm, I'm going to start a Kickstarter brand tomorrow and yo, yo, it's going to be covered with like 38 carats of diamonds. It's going to retail for 89 bucks. It's like, well, no, it's not. Like you can't do that. It's like it's literally impossible. Extrapolate that further across the industry, and we see sometimes brands taking a reach because they want to emulate a style. They want yeah. to bring something into their collection. Yeah. But unfortunately, some styles cost a lot of money to get right. Yeah. And look, you know, this integrated bracelet. I just don't like it stylistically, and that's just my opinion. It doesn't. I'm not saying that it's badly made or whatnot. No, but no. To me, it's just. To me, it's, it's, it's just a miss. And that's good. It's good to have these passionate so, views even within one brand. So this is a cool discussion. And let's ask our listeners to comment on this. And let's maybe see in six, nine, 12 months how it's done. And if people have them on their wrists, <laughs> that we have actually feedback from wearers. I'm very curious. So let's park, the, yeah. let's park this discussion and come back to it. Okay, okay, well, let's, we'll, we'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. It's yeah, a great idea, but in six months' time, I'll probably have changed my mind, and I'll probably have one right, on each wrist. Yeah, could be, we don't change your mind, and we don't need to. We don't need to like everything, do we? No, it's good not to. It's good to know why you don't like something as well. Perfect. That's the discussion we want to see in the comments, so yeah. get down there and help us out. Yeah. So, Tudor, that was, that was it, really, for Tudor, wasn't it, for the it most was. part, I think? Yeah. Quiet year, but um, a, a bold year that's generated some more interest right yeah. now on our podcast. Yeah. 
And where shall we go next? How about Bulgari? Bulgari, Bulgari. 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 Do you spell it with a B or a V? Do you write it with a B or a V? It's, 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 it is Bulgari, yeah? Because the founder was a Greek called Bulgaris. He came to Italy, dumped the S, made it Italian, Bulgari. And because it's, he based in Rome, near the Via di Spagna, he took a Roman approach and made the U a V, which it was in Latin, right? That's pretty cool. It's a good bit of history, though. I didn't know that. It's Bulgari. Has nothing to do with the country Bulgaria. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. But uh, if you want to pronounce it in the original name, it's Bulgari in Italian. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Everybody can pronounce it the way they want. Um, You know I'm a fan of Bulgari. You know, uh, for women, I love the Serpentine, the Lucea. Uh, For men, the Octo, for me, is the Neo... Royal Oak. I think the yep. design of Fabrizio Buonamassa is amazing. I, I, I even dare to call him the uh, Gel Genta of our days. And it's a bit tricky to say that because he had the heavy weight on his shoulders like Atlas to take a design that was um, uh, inspired by Gel Genta because Gel Genta designed a lot of Bulgari watches. and. Bulgari even bought the Gelgenta brand back in the days. And the brand Gelgenta was owned by Bulgari. Gron integrated into the brand. And last year we saw a little tribute watch with a jumping hour. This year we saw one which is amazing. Um, yeah, really I had the honor to do two video live video interviews with Fabrizio, the designer, and Antoine Penn, the new general manager of the watch division. This is on the Ace list, right? So readers can check that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Ace is the com. Amazing chat. We had so much to discuss. We did two sessions. And it was so insightful and so much fun. And and, um, I I think the the, the, the Octo is, 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 uh, again, a fresh breath of air in the watch industry. Finally, something new. Another re-edition of a re-edition, neo-vintage, retro, whatever. It's totally new. And where do we see these kind of designs besides, obviously, Urwerk, MBNF, um, and the, 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 the pinnacle of the Hot Hot Logerie? Uh, I think Zenith does cool things with the Defy. Um, it's innovative. It's new. But where do we see really innovative new designs? And, and, and that's why I love the Octo. If you think about it, it has 110 facets on that watch. It has... 110? 110 facets. And it has three shapes in it right square octagonal uh-huh. that's why it's called octo and round so it's 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 a very simplistic but super complex if you think about it i mean i think it's a masterpiece of engineering it's and amazing. architectural design more yeah. than anything when i look at it i sort of i see a blueprint brought to life and i think that's how i i often describe nomos watches especially the lambda yeah and why i love them so much you know they, they appeal to that kind of uh, that kind of mindset, uh, yeah. I can see an architect wearing this. And you you have the uh, Octo Finissimo um, Auto on the bracelet, right? Correct. On titanium, the, when, it, yeah. when it launched, I was blown away because you had the regular called the Solo Tempo, which had a manufacturer caliber BVL191. Slim, beautiful, well-priced. And then they created a world record with the thinnest automatic movement for, I believe, two years. And then Piaget blew them out of the water I say theoretically, 
because they did manufacture a watch, but when you wanted to try it on at the fair, you couldn't, and you couldn't take it on the watch they were scared it would bend. So yeah, 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 that's exactly the point. They broke the world record, but in practical use, I do everything with this titanium watch, and they made a steel version now, which is even more waterproof, and uh, it's a practical watch with a micro rotor, and uh, it's beautiful. I love a micro rotor. I think that I think we're we're due a renaissance of micro rotor watches. Definitely. I think uh, definitely. I've been I've been itching to buy a, a universal Genève pole rotor for quite some time. And, yeah, uh, stunning. I always struggle to find one that has all the bits. You know, the crowns are often missing on those, but the movements in those things, considering the price they go for these days, are remarkably yeah. nice. I think it's amazing. And you let me try your uh, Octo Finissimo on in. God, when was it? Was it 2017 or 18? I, I don't remember. You're better with years than I am. Uh, they're all merging into one for me. You know what yeah. Basel's like? It's booths, booths after booths after booths. So um, I was blown away by it. Um, the titanium one is still my preference, I think. I just like the way the dial and the bracelet and everything sort of merges together. And I should buy one because you're absolutely right. It is, it's the modern Royal Oak. And I, I align it always with the... Uh, H Moser Streamliner and the Chapek Antarctic yeah. as the as the modern big three. Yeah. I think that those are like really original creative designs that are akin to integrated bracelets. The... Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I mean I, I love the Antarctic. That's my favorite of the three. And then it's the Octofinissimo closely behind, which I respect on a really, really high level because of its design. I just I love the way the Antarctic wears on my wrist. The the Octo maybe because I have quite a, a small wrist, so it sort of sits a bit flat. On yeah, you need to try flat. it on. The strap is very wide, so it needs to yeah. suit your wrist. You definitely try it on. I ha- haven't had the Antarctique in my hands, but I love Chapek. I love this. Oh, but on paper, it looks amazing. And the Streamliner, well, Moser makes amazing movements. I think uh, the dial is stunning. I didn't handle it in my hands yet, so I need to see the bracelet. I'm, I'm not sold yet on that one. I will say this to you. The Streamliner is not for me. I I don't like it on my wrist. What does it put you off? The strap? The bracelet? No, the, the bracelet is amazing. Okay. I was going to say, the bracelet, like, when you look at it in photos, you think, surely this thing can't look crisp. Surely it can't look clear, because it's so organically styled. It looks yeah. like a lobster. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if anyone nicknames it the lobster, but I call it the lobster bracelet. So you coined it now here, by officially. If, if if no one's called that before, it's the lobster bracelet for me. And it is magnificently manufactured. And this is why I put it in this top three. This is why I elevate it to the level of two watches that I adore. The Streamliner for me, I don't like it. It's not my cup of tea. It just doesn't look right on my wrist. But Mike, Mike Stockton, double name check in one podcast, lucky boy. He absolutely is mad about it. He was just so gobsmacked at its beauty and execution in real life. And I'll say this, the movements in those Moses are next level. There's no discussion about that. I mean, that's, that's th- again, this is a different ball game. So um, the moment we, because a lot of people that are used to old Bulgari or the stunning manufacture three-handers with the BVL 191 are very well-priced. But then suddenly you look at these, and then they pass the 10K. And as soon as you pass the 10K mark, I always say it's a different ballgame. And then don't compare yeah. it with everything below. Go up into the pyramid, and then they're relatively well-priced. And that's how yeah, you it's- do it. So it's, 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 um, 
it's and, and this and this is another category that we're actually discussing. I, I call it the hotel luxury integrated baseball game. <laughs> it should have its own theme tune with a title like that. <laughs> and and then and then yeah. We, <laughs> it's time for the integrated bracelet. What was it? Hotorology ball game. Ball game. Yeah. Oh god, it's the top of the ninth, and it's all still to play for. Right. Anyway. Yeah, so, that's funny. so, so definitely, our listeners, please tell us which one is your favorite in this ball game. So, whatever poll in this uh, podcast, we're making it interactive. Yeah, very nice. We're gonna have to put polls all the way through the thing, but I'm I'm sure that'll be in- interesting for everyone. So, 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 we love the Bulgari Octo Finissimo. We think the Streamliner is a modern classic, um, worthy of comparisons to the Royal Oak and the Nautilus and the Overseas, and we think the Antarctic is a stunner also. But beyond those absolute classics that we've been treated to, what else has happened in Bulgari this year that you like? So obviously the magnesium, oh sorry, not the magnesium, the aluminium. The magnesium oh, yeah, was step a few years ago, <laughs> so they had the aluminium, and that's retro. And it was very interesting that that they wanted to modernize it, and they had fierce discussions internally, which we discussed on our live video interview for the Ace List. And 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 Fabrizio said, no, 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 it's so perfect, we're not touching it. And that was also actually amazing to hear. So that was cool. And for me, I'm, I obviously, ever since I'm a kid, I have a weak spot for Joe Genta. So the Jumping Hour uh, edition they made this year, I love as well. And, that is a cool-looking watch. And yeah. it's an awesome color scheme as well. It looks absolutely uh, yeah. Titanium. vibrant on the yeah. Bit of orange, yeah. always good for us Dutchies. But, um, and, and we only talk male stuff, right, here on Fatello. I don't know how many readers and v- listeners are female on on fratello watches but uh, well, about 10 percent. but we want more and that's why my next pick was going to be a ladies watch but why don't you tell me what your choice well, is well obviously the serpenti uh, sedatory tourbillon smallest tourbillon for ladies amazing so and fabrizio also designs that this, this guy is, is is amazing he's so versatile so he's also not a one trick pony right um mm-hmm. he, he can really go out of the box he he's old school. He designs and draws with a pen. Um, and good I, grief, a pen, a pen, no witchcraft, it, witchcraft. It is today, and and you should follow him on Instagram. He, he and he he really loves drawing. So on the weekend, he sits down and draws cars because that is is his biggest passion as well. And uh, cool. um, but but female watches, I, I believe, and and he designed the sedatory. So you have the serpenti with the twirl around which is from the 50s and even 30s, they found one. So it's a very old design. And he designed the Sedatory last year with an integrated bracelet as well, which are like scales of a snake, but very contemporary, stunning. And the case is oval, but not really oval. It's egg-shaped, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe there are only two watches in the market, which is Rain the Naples by Burbreguet. And nice Bulgari, but yeah. think about it. The bottom half is wider than the top half in the X shape. How the hell do you create an integrated bracelet for such a case? That's almost a math equation you need to crack at uh, a PhD level, right? So exactly. Just think about that. So, so from a technical point of view, it's amazing. Design-wise, it's very appealing. And then they marry beautiful contemporary design with watches that have never been designed before. 
with the smallest manufactured calibers ever a minute repeater a tourbillon uh, and and automatics as well so um i think it's amazing yeah it is a stunner um if anyone wants to see this one in more detail um our very own Karina reviewed it on January 23rd earlier this year, so it just just snuck inside 2020. Yep. Uh, God, do you, remember, do you remember January? Those yeah, days yeah, it was a different world. That's where they launched it. It was a different world, wasn't it? And also in uh, Dubai Watch Week, we were treated to uh, some other uh, offerings from Bulgaria along the Diva's Dream yep. collection. There's another interesting uh, jewelry-focused uh, range from Bulgaria, but my favorite one in that, vein later on in the year was the uh aventurine dial yes and, uh, i guess lucia is how you say it Lucia. Lucia, yeah, so, so the v is a u right yeah it's a vu so it's consistent but um threw me for a loop there but i i really love aventurine now this is i believe aventurine glass um rj authored an article that i jumped in on um and added a lot of background to Aventurine on May 21st, 2020. So check that one out. Um, it goes into detail about where Aventurine glass comes from. Yeah. And uh, it's quite interesting, I think. And that's gorgeous. And then later on in the year, Bulgari released the Octo Roma Torbion Sapphire Malachite watch. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like it. I love the color green. Uh, malachite is a gorgeous stone, and we're used to seeing it on dials. I believe the Diva's Dream has a, a malachite dial option as well. Correct, but correct. Here, I mean, it's cool as hell. I could do without the diamonds. That's a step too far yeah. uh, for me personally. But if you gave me this watch without the without the diamonds on the bezel or on the lugs or on the case flanks, and you just had those malachite inlays, I'd be interested. Yeah. I, I mean, I I wouldn't have the the funds for it but i'd be interested i mean that is a pretty striking way to use that stone i think i i totally agree so for those that don't know malachite is a natural stone it has a bit of marbled effect so it has different shades of green in it and it's a bit matte finish it's not sparkly um so it's a bit retro they used to use it i believe in the 80s a lot in watches and jewelry and it's making a revival now so yeah, I love it um, because as a kid, my, my dad obviously, uh, as, as, as a master diamond cutter, polisher and uh, jeweler, he, he, we had big slabs of stones at home and in the stores. So I grew up with these things. So uh, it reminds me. And, and when I was in China, I saw a huge ghost set in a chest set in Malachite. I almost pulled the trigger on it. But then I'm like, oh, how am I going to schlep this back home with the little luggage I had? So I regret not doing that. So if you if you've been to China or Hong Kong, you might remember that color of stone. So obviously it's very popular yeah. in Asia, and uh, with good reason. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely looking thing. So um, novelties. Hey, there was something released. Uh, when was it now? I think it was the first of December on Fratello. What was it now? How is it slipping my mind? It was bronze. It had a red dial. I have no idea um, what you're talking about. It's something with no, oxes, an ox tail, ox blood, something uh, from an independent brand. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's come back to me. That's right. So <laughs> recently, <laughs> what a segue, eh? This is how you earn the big bucks, boys. Um, <laughs> recently, Fratello collaborated with one of our favorite independent brands, Oris, uh, on a new Big Crown pointer date. 
in yeah. bronze. Congratulations on that, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been it's been a good success. Uh, we've had a lot of interest in it. We are almost sold out um, of the the first of what we hope will be many collaborations with Oris. Uh, it's been a real joy. It's been a learning curve, of course. It's the first time we've done a project of this scale. Um, and uh, yeah, just snuck inside 2020. So it, it counts as one of my favorite releases of the year. Uh, what do you think? What do you, how do you think we did, Alan? What do we, what do, we should do next? I think it was an amazing launch. Um, I love Oris. We used to retail Oris for many years. Love the brand. Great people. Uh, fun watches. Amazing value for money. The big crown, I guess, everybody who got into watches in the, not 80s, but 90s, the big crown used to cost, I remember, 550 guilders which was 2.2 to the euro so think about what that price was huh. uh, wow in my in my in my uh, years i've sold them by the kilos and amazing still today i think they're fairly priced am i right to assume you guys launched the first bronze big crown ever no no they actually it, they made one for the 80th anniversary of um the brand, the model itself, I think. No, it must be oh. just the brand is nineteen. The brand is hundred and ten or something, yeah. So, so yeah, it must have been for the model because it came out a couple of years ago. Okay. And this is this is really what inspired um, this project. So, let okay. me think. Let me get my so, order and, and, right and, here. And what I think is cool, I think the best dials for bronze cases are green and reddish and you guys did a very dark red so when you get the patina on the case i think it harmonizes well so here's oh. an interesting thing so this watch was inspired by i believe it was the 2018 bronze um big crown pointer date which did have a green dial so you have you know your stuff grammatically and the following year in 2019 they released like an oxblood dial in a steel case and mike stockton triple name drop in this episode for goodness sake uh he decided that you want to see them together and so he I, which one did he buy i think he bought the the bronze no he must have bought them both or bought the bronze one and got his hands on a red dial and he got our watchmaker in the netherlands to switch them over we made some subtle changes to the red dial thereafter we added some gilt indexes um at some uh, a gilt minutiary and some printing and also changed the wording on the dial so it says anti-shock instead of automatic as a callback to some of their old watches in the back catalog. And um, this one, as you mentioned with the patina, is made from CUSN6 bronze. Yeah. So it has, um, it has a, a slightly redder tone. Yeah. Um, straight out of the box, it is... An incredible, like vibrant combination of colors. It looks so good, so much better than it does on the photos. Bert did an amazing job capturing it, and the the way the dial changes color in different lights. But what's hard to appreciate is how they change color together at the same time on your wrist. And uh, I think it, I think they'll probably patina quite quickly. So we'll see. We'll see some. Uh, yeah, that's the fun color. about bronze, right? So uh, sure. every every watch will be different. And and I think what is cool is although. If I'm not mistaken, Panerai was the first ever to work with bronze. Um, Oris was, I think, the first one really to make it popular under the wider uh, population of watch collectors with the Carl Bashir. Yep, right, right. That so was a great watch. That, yeah. that really sparked um, the fascination and love for bronze, I think. And we sold a lot of them. 
So that was fun. And that was our first experience with bronze. And then obviously every brand is getting on the bandwagon today. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think you guys did a cool job. Definitely. Thanks very much. If we, uh, if we do another collaboration with Aris, which, you know, we, we hope to in the future, given the way this one's gone, uh, what model do you think we should take on next? Um, I would love to see you guys doing the, using their new caliber. I think that's also something that was launched this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously, in a case that existed in a diver's watch that existed, the Equus, I think it's called. But their new caliber, yep. if I'm not mistaken, is in-house. Five days power reserve, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe that it, yeah, it's in-house designed. I think it, yeah, it's, oh, it's got a lot of proprietary. I think it's proprietary elements. Okay. Um, I think there's some in-house. I'm not sure. But, it's, but it comes in at 3K euro retail, I believe. Yeah, it's a stunning, um, stunning movement with great specs and uh, really nice to look at as well. And, yeah. you, you know, it has the face of the bear yeah. in the movement, yeah. which I thought was a bit... Yeah, we we'll discussed that. Let's not go down that route again, please. Yeah, let's not go down that route again. Right? That's <laughs> disturbing. Let's Still having... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although we can't talk okay. about the Negroni bear again, but should we leave that as well? Yeah, let's leave that. Let's just let's never go down that route okay, again. Okay, I apologize okay, for even okay, coming okay. close to it. All right, look, we've been chatting now for the best part of an hour, so let's round it up okay. for this episode, and we'll get back on the phone again sometime soon. Would love Please, to. everybody, get involved in the comments. Um, any questions about this episode, hit us up. We'll try and answer them as best we can or find someone that can answer them better than we can. And if you have topics you'd like us to cover, anything you'd like to hear Alan talk about specifically, then please let us know. And make sure you vote in all those polls. Alon, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Rob, thank you so much. I'm wishing you a happy holiday season. If I don't speak to you, which I'm quite sure I will speak to you. But anyways, happy new year. And uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to have more fun in 2021. Thanks. Uh, same to you and your family. And let's stay in touch. Bye, sure. guys. Bye.